Um, I wish that there was not as much of a lag time when I hit start recording. Yeah. From when it actually so, starts recording. Um. So this past week, I... It's been a week, dude, and I'm sure yours has too. I really needed this today, but mm-hmm. um, our apartment building has a had, excuse me, a bulk deal with our internet provider mm-hmm. that it would be internet and then cable would be free for every unit. So fine, great. We don't care about cable. We don't use cable. Who cares? Um. Eh, sorry. Valkyrie's sniffing around where my microphone's plugged in and her paw is right there and I'm just waiting for her to pull it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, anyway. <clears throat> so, we had this bulk deal and we were like, fine, free cable, who cares? Um, and then all of a sudden I got my bill and it was over twice as much. Have I already told you this story, by the way? No. Uh-uh. I forget who I've told this to. Great, okay. Um, so our bill was over twice as much and I was like, oh, mm, no, no, no. <laughs> so I called the company. I was like, hi, hi, what? No, what? And they were like, oh, yeah, well, you know, you, this is your internet and this is for your cable. And I was like, right, but our cable was included. If you look at the last two months of payments and bills, cable is not charged. And she was like, oh, you're right. That's weird. I was like, well, our building had a a group bulk deal. And that's the only reason we chose this company. We got this deal. It's like, it was literally our only option. Yeah. And so she was super sweet. And she was the fourth person that I talked to at the company because the first three, every time I told them like, hi, I have an issue with my bill. Why is it like this? And they realized it was their fault. I got hung up on. They hung up on you. Yes. Three times in a row. And so I kept calling back to be like, hi, I have established that this is your fault. Please fix it. Wow. Um, and I was at the end of my patience. It was the day that some dudes at work pulled some sexist ass bullshit. And I was just, I was done. And so I called and this sweet lady named Mary answered. And I was like, Mary does not deserve for me to go off on her. Mary does not deserve for me to go. She is just doing her job. And sweet Mary was like, oh, yeah, I can see here that that is absolutely not your fault. That's our fault. Um, Hold on. Let me see what I can do for you. And she, you know, typity type types and does her thing. And she was like, okay, uh, so what I can do for you is offer you um, double the speed for a third of the price. And I was like, yes, yes, please. please. Yes, I'll take that. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And she was like, for this past month, your bill is going to be the same as it was for the months before. But starting next month, you'll see the reduced price and, you know, here's all the breakdown and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you're an angel, Mary at RCN. I adore you. <laughs> so all of this to say, my Wi-Fi is now dynamite. So if there are any issues, it's definitely on your end. now. <laughs> Great. Great. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, I have a theory that it's always been on our end because our Internet is far from being great um, to the point where we had GCI come out a couple of weeks, no, like a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, so, uh, you know, I don't know why you even have internet because, like, this is so shoddily put together that, like, you shouldn't. So 
Well, that's helpful. Thanks. Super helpful. Yeah. So anyway, I'm pretty sure that it's always been us. But I'm glad that it won't be you. I was just never, like, I was always willing to let you accept the blame, but I was never mm-hmm. positive. Yeah. And no, so it's just like, I don't know. It's almost guaranteed us because, you know, it's GCI and yeah, GCI is the opposite of anything good in the world. Yeah. How's your day? How are you? Um, my day has been really good. Good. So far. Um, I had a rough week. So last Thursday, um, I don't remember when we recorded. It was like Saturday or something, right? Um, I think so. Yeah, I don't remember. But anyway, last Thursday, um, I felt, you know, another wave of migraine coming on. And then it was just pretty much like <laughs> since today, it's been awful. Like I spent so much time sick this week, um, which sucked. Oof. But Sorry. it ended up being fine because, uh, you know, Monday was Veterans Day. And so, like, we had the day off. So I didn't have to go in. And then um, I went home early on Wednesday, but then was able to just make up the time on Thursday. So I, like, still didn't have to take leave, which was great. And then I was off today. So it seems to be a little bit better than it's been today. But, like, I got up and I did, like, a face mask and I shaved my legs for the first time and, Ooh. you know, who knows, honestly, like, who knows? And I, like, cleaned the house and I called my mom. Like, I've I've been a very Aww. productive individual today, which was What nice. a good day. Yeah, it was great. And I've just hung out with these cats. And, like, Greg, I'm pretty sure doesn't feel well. Oh. Yeah. You know, it's probably his cat chlamydia. <laughs> <laughs> chances are good i didn't really mean to go into that on the podcast but you know too late whatever. too late i enjoyed your hesitation as you heard yourself saying it i was like oh no here it comes is, oh no my cat has chlamydia and, you know they thought it was gonorrhea for a bit <laughs> but then they were like no it's probably just the clap that tricky cat clap so you know but it's not because he was philandering he just gets nervous sometimes and apparently it brings out the clap (laughs) so you know (laughs) oh boy that brightens my day oh no sorry greg i'm sorry listeners jeez that too i like the idea of somebody being like i'm finally gonna listen to babe town and getting four minutes into it and being like oh they're talking about cat, cat stds so probably gonna go ahead and turn that off Bitch, i didn't know that existed until greg so good news he's like pbs he's teaching people about oh, you know things yeah he is because of viewers like you <laughs> <laughs> oh boy how's your day ben uh, it's almost over which is nice yeah today was one of those days that like it started wrong and then every little thing was just another makes it worse domino you know yeah I last night I checked the the sound level on my alarm because I had been forgetting and for every time it went off for the past week it was super loud (laughs) and my alarm happens to be we built this city 
Oh my god. And so it was just like, oh no. Um, do you know what I, Evan's alarm is? Sorry, not to interrupt. I really don't. It's Roll Out by Ludacris. Oh my. So every morning I hear, roll out, roll out. And I'm like, why? Why is this? Why? So that he may roll out of bed. Yeah, he thinks it's really funny. So every morning he wakes up going, <laughs> and I hate it. I hate it so much. One of my alarms that I use is like, um, it's an Admiral Fallow song. Ooh, not a bad it's thing. the one with like the flutes at the beginning. Yeah. And it reminds Trevor of the Pete Holmes bit where his cab driver was playing the flute. (laughs) And so that one makes him chuckle every time it goes off. He's just like, do, 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 do. What's your problem? What's your problem? Amazing. (laughs) Anyway, so I checked the sound of my alarm so that it didn't jolt me awake in a way that I do not like. Mm -hmm. And yet I didn't actually set the alarm. Oh, no. And so a lot of times if I have to wake up at like eight or something, I'll be awake, like kind of rolling around before that. And it's fine. But the days I have to wake up at six, I will not be awake before that. Six. Yeah. My commute to work is kind of a bitch. Um, I barf. Okay. It's awful, but it's a job that I love and I am a working actor. And so it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm, you know, I'm all cozy. I'm I'm snuggling. I'm like, la, la, la. I probably only have a few more minutes. And then I hear Trevor roll over and go, uh, babe. And I was (laughs) like, no, no. (laughs) And so I got up and I was supposed to have left over 30 minutes before. Oh, no. And so I ran in, like, brushed my teeth, threw some clothes on and got a very expensive Uber to work. And I was still a little bit late, but then, like, everything after that just, like, kept adding on yeah. to the frustration to where, like, by the time I finally got out of work, I was so frustrated I wanted to scream and, like, punch the bus or something. And I was texting Callie about it, and I was like, I'm going to lose my mind. Here's all the things that have happened today. And I wrote it all out and she Venmoed me money to go get a wine box. And so oh. I started crying on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you're a good friend. Thank you. <laughs> so that's been my day. But so then I got home. Wine. I am. I got good. home and I got to take my pup out so she could run around and she always gets really excited. And then she'll like run back and check in with me and be like, mom, aren't we having so much fun? And then she'll run out again. It's super sweet. And then I had some some French onion soup that I made yesterday, and now we're doing Babe Town, and it's it's looking up. It's getting better. It's getting better. Nice. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, question. Should we go back to introducing ourselves on this? Oh, you know, probably. I'm Taylor. I'm Reagan. <laughs> Welcome to Babe Town, Taylor. Welcome to Babe Town, Reagan. Uh, we were getting bummed, so instead of being bummed... Uh, we tell each other stories about cool ladies through history, and uh, it gets pretty pretty stoked about some cool ladies rather than so. being some bummed about some shitty dudes. Very good description. Swift, succinct, yeah. to the point. That's good. Cool ladies, not shitty dudes, 2020. Boom. Nailed it. I say. Speaking of which, I had a dream this week that um, Elizabeth Warren dropped out, and I... Oh. 
it oh, made me oh. wake up. I was like, no, no, oh god. I was like, wait, oh, no, it's I fine. It's cool. That. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, it's fine. My body didn't know that was an option. <laughs> I know it was awful. It like it literally made me wake up. Where I was like, oh no, oh no, oh god, it's gonna be four oh. more years. Oh god. No, it can't. Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. What, okay, are, you, what so, are you drinking? Wait, wait. Uh, oh, I'm drinking the same thing as I was last week or whenever. The uh, the Hop Avenger IPA. Hop Avenger. Voodoo yeah. Ranger. Yeah, because we're going to a movie tonight and I'm very excited oh, about it. And uh, Evan is, so he's just like zipping by the house and picking me up. And so I was like, great, don't have to drive. Which uh, movie? We're going to go see Dr. Sleep. Yeah, that adds up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been really hyped about it, like since I heard about it, because that's that that book actually is the first Stephen King book that I ever read was Dr. Sleep. Well, good. I hope you're very spooked. Me too. That's the goal. You know, OK, Reagan. Yeah, Taylor. I have I think I know who you're doing. Can I guess? Yes, you can. Are you doing the Buffalo Calf Road Woman? Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. I am obsessed. Yes. Good. Um. Yay, I'm so excited. And also I'm bummed because she was on my list, but I'm extremely excited to hear you tell me about her. But I don't remember when she was born, slash if there's a born date. Yes, she was born in 1844. Ooh, you're going first. Okay, okay. I got to really settle in for this one. Good. Okay, so the thing with Buffalo Calf Road is there's not a ton that we know about her life, but the things that we do know are really specific. So, and the more I thought about it, the more it occurred to me that her life is a movie and yeah. needs to be a movie. So is me it telling this, already? no, how is it not? I don't know. What? I don't know. But wow. this is my plea. If you're a screenwriter and you're listening, please, please make this a movie because yeah. I mean, yeah. <sighs> okay. Would be great. It would be so great. Okay. So Buffalo Calf Road was born in 1844 in Wyoming, and she is a member of the Cheyenne Nation, which I have like her Cheyenne name and the name of the Cheyenne, but kind of like you did um, a couple weeks ago, I don't want to try to pronounce it and get it remarkably offensively wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll post it so Great. people could see it, but I don't want to just horribly whitewash her name. Yeah. Um, Great. Um, okay. So buckle up for a lot of Cheyenne Nation history, and it's Great. so fascinating. Can't wait. Okay. So 1844, Wyoming. The Cheyenne at the time lived according to the Treaty of 1825. And that treaty basically said that as long as they acknowledged that the U.S. was supreme and they obeyed some trade regulations, then the government would, you know, more or less, not completely, leave them alone to their own devices. Um, and their land at this time was Wyoming, Montana, eastern Colorado, western Kansas, and western Nebraska. So just kind of northern Midwest. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, white people show up. On yep. their way west. And they were like, knock, knock. It's manifest destiny. Knock, knock. We're going to be the worst real quick. Yep. And, so and by real quick, I mean point forward. Forever. <laughs> um, 
so the Cheyenne had a bunch of run-ins with white settlers because they were competing for resources and they're already competing with other tribes. And so it's just a whole, it's a whole thing. And it ultimately caused the Cheyenne to split into Northern and Southern. And I can't say this officially because this is just kind of like the hunch that I got from reading about it. I don't know this for sure, but it seemed like the Northern Cheyenne were striving for more peace and the Southern Cheyenne were, cause the Cheyenne are a, a warrior people. And so I think the Southern Cheyenne were embracing that and middle finger to the government and yeah. the Northern Cheyenne were, they were led by a, um, a chief who is, dedicated to peace and so i think that's kind of where that split came from but i don't know that for sure uh, but anyway buffalo calf road belongs to the northern cheyenne peaceful ones peaceful ones okay so 1849 white travelers that were you know really really clean and showered all the time super hygienic um brought cholera and it killed anywhere between a third to a half of the cheyenne nation wow it just like Holy shit. It ravaged that it obliterated him. Horrible. Um, thankfully, Buffalo Calf Road and her brother comes in sight. They survived. Comes in sight, comes back later. Okay. You'll hear more about him. So anyway, so they survive. Um, and she's five years old at the time, so this is like early, early life. Um, so the Cheyenne embraced gender roles to a point, but they were way more relaxed than european gender roles and so after they lost so many people due to cholera no one really like noticed or cared when she learned to shoot and hunt it was just like well yeah so then in 1851 another treaty was signed and it reduced well the goal i guess was to reduce tribal fighting and establish set borders for each native american nation and so the cheyenne were quote-unquote given allotted or made to live i don't know in parts of colorado wyoming and nebraska so they're this is kind of the beginning of when their land is shrinking okay um and the treaty also said that the government would give money to the cheyenne for the parts of their land that white settlers used for passage but of course the white people were dicks and refused to acknowledge that it was actually cheyenne land and they had sovereignty over it so in 1856, when um, Buffalo Calf Road was 12, open fighting broke out. Wow. And so they began raiding settlers' wagons, and then the army would retaliate. And thankfully, few Cheyenne people died, but their food stores were, like, hugely depleted. And then the government was pissed so that the money they were supposed to get, the government gave to the Arapaho. So the 19- just, just because? Yeah, they were mad. <laughs> And so they gave it to somebody else. Cool. Mm-hmm. Because cool. children. Children. Yeah. It's always good when like vindictive toddlers are in the government. Isn't it? I feel like that's the smoothest way to run the world. You know, it seems to be working in 2019. So. So well. Who run the world? Vindictive toddlers. <laughs> Basically. Just. The remix the world didn't need. No. Nor want. <laughs> nope. Neither. But we came up with it. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 1961 comes the Treaty of Fort Wise, and that allotted the Cheyenne a reservation in Colorado that was a third of the size of the land that they had. And the cool, that sounds like a fair deal, right? 
Yeah. The chief that was like all about peace is named Chief Black Kettle, and he was in support of it. But a ton of the Cheyenne people were like, actually, how about no? Actually, this sucks. What if we what if we didn't do this? Yeah. And so I picture in this part of the movie, like they're having a, a tribal council about it. And she's really young. She's like, what, 21 at this point? No, less than that. She's a teenager. She's a teenager because math. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I picture I her kind you. of like <laughs> chilling in the back watching and just kind of absorbing and it's all you know laying the groundwork one of those scenes yeah it's a good time yeah oh where so, like it's like this like the fade into her face and like people are just like talking and she's just yeah. like you just yeah. see her looking back and forth and you're like you know it's like it's building it's building yeah. inside of her some yeah, really yeah. light motivational music in the background Ooh, totally yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So at some point, I don't know exact dates, but she married a man named Black Coyote, who was known to have a passionate nature and a short temper. <laughs> okay. Always, always yeah, a good, it's a good combo. Good combo. Um, they had two kids together over their life, and everybody said, like, apparently divorce was really easy in the Cheyenne Nation, but they stayed together for their whole life. So they must have made each other happy, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're a warrior culture and it was mostly just for men, but they had this awesome thing called the elk scraper society that was for women only who wanted to fight. So she joined and they had super high standards for, you know, what would pass. It reminded me of the Akashinga where they're put through like this intense training and there's super high standard of what would pass as yes, you are an elk scraper society woman. Um, so cool. and men weren't allowed to see any of the elk scraper ceremonies, which I think is dope. And yeah. that would also be an amazing scene or set of montage, if you will, in oh, the movie yeah. where she's training and she's fighting and, oh, totally. I'm just picturing like, picturing like real life, um, fucking that Mulan montage. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. But all women. But all women, which makes that but all it would make it so much better. And then there's a dope ceremony at the oh, the score for this movie would be incredible. I need Dude. Hans Zimmer to get on this. Dude. Yeah. Um. So once she was officially in, she was given a specific shield that she carried around with her rifle, and it's pretty commonly accepted that that at that point she started helping in the raids, because the raids started increasing. And they began to kidnap women and children to try and replenish their population after the whole cholera thing. Right. So that's not great, but it's not great all around. So the Cheyenne were among the last free Native Americans, and they could clearly see what was coming when you look at all the treaties, how their land is shrinking, how all of the other Native American tribes have been imprisoned, like this whole, whole thing. It would be a thing to be the last ones and be like, like, well, shit. Great. Uh, just the, the hopeless feeling. Yeah. Of like, what what can we do? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And at this time, the Transcontinental Railroad was being put in, and it totally messed with the migration of the buffalo, which was what their entire culture was built around. So everything wow. is like their entire way of life was disrupted. Damn. Um. So there's a warrior from the Lakota tribe named Crazy Horse. 
And at this point, he united the Lakota, the Cheyenne, the Sioux, and the Arapaho against the U.S. government. So the battle near Rosebud Creek happens, and General Crook, which is his actual name. Wow. Wow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess probably pretty fitting. I'm, oh, yeah. Um, Good. He had a thousand cavalry and he had, um, he had, what is the word when you get someone to be on your team who is not usually. Oh, like (laughs) shit had like converted or like, I mean, I get that would work. I can't, there's a football term. I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So he had gotten some Crow scouts that were eager to get revenge on the other tribes to work for him. And so with the help of the Crow scouts, his cavalry had the upper hand in the battle near Rosebud Creek. So comes in sight, was shot down from his horse, and they were overwhelmed. Everything looked helpless. And that's her brother. Yes. Yes, that's her brother. Okay. So at this point in the movie... It looks hopeless. You know, they're running. They're scared. Yeah. They're losing men. It's horrible. He gets shot down. She looks over. Maybe it's a slow-mo shot. Has to be a slow-mo shot. Oh, with, like, hair, like, in her face. Oh, yeah, because she just, like, kicked the shit out of somebody. Totally. Um, And this is where, like, the drums and the violins and the French horns would, like, really build. Mm, Totally. Because... No one is going to his aid because it looks like they can't except Buffalo calf road who charges her horse directly into enemy fire, pulls him up onto her horse and rides him back to safety. God. Wow. Yeah. Neither of them were injured in this event. What the fuck? Like she somehow no bullets touched them when she rode in, grabbed him and brought him out. She's just so, like, excuse me, sorry, real quick. I'm just going to jump in here. I'm going to go yeah, ahead. That's my brother. Don't take him. him. Sorry. Yeah. And then we're just going to go ahead and dip. Bye. Yeah. Goodbye. Wow. So all of the other warriors that were there saw this happen and had like a wave of inspiration and fuck you. So they came back and they won. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I would lose my mind at that scene in that movie. Dude, it needs to be a movie. Um, so it's really interesting because in white history books, it's known as the Battle of Rosebud. And among the warriors, it was known as the battle where the girl saved her brother. Which I love. Wow. I love it so much. Um, Damn. So eight days after this is the Battle of Bighorn a.k.a. Custer's Last Stand. Right. Which I didn't realize, but it's one of the most studied battles in American history. Just crazy. I did actually know that. That's crazy. Um, so it was 700 white soldiers versus like 1,500 to 2,000 Native Americans. And during the battle, Buffalo Calf Road, again, an incredible scene, knocks Custer off of his horse where a Sioux warrior named Fast Eagle held him down and another Sioux warrior named Moving Robe Woman, a woman, stabbed him and killed him. Holy shit. Wow. So after this whole incident, 
they rename Buffalo Calf Woman to Brave Woman. Mm. Um, and it's it that battle was kind of the typical like win the battle lose the war situation, um, because the U.S. was furious about what happened, so they kind of doubled down on. I don't know what you want to call it. Genocide? Contempt? Yeah. I mean, all of the above. Murder? Yeah. yeah. Um, which I didn't actually read an account of this. I read someone's review about how, and I guess, I mean, I haven't studied the Battle of Bighorn, so I don't know. But um, it seems that possibly, again, the U.S. government kind of whitewashed his death and they were like, yeah, he made some strategic errors and some tactical errors, but he died a warrior's death or whatever, blah, 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 blah. And everybody else was like, no, 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 he died like a coward because that's exactly what he was. Damn. So it just, you know, it makes you want to go back and uh, research things from the other side. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, so the U.S. is like really honing in and chasing all of these tribes to try and kill them or get them into crappy reservations. And Buffalo Calf, oh, I guess we can call her Brave Woman now. Brave Woman and a band of 30 managed to stay on the run for a while. And despite her being pregnant, giving birth and having an infant, she fought and defended that band of 30 people. Wow. Which I, I just, it blows my mind. Yeah. Unfortunately, they could not hold out forever. <laughs> is your is your puppy, like, tapping on your mic? <laughs> I could just hear, like, little, like, tap, 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 tap. She's sleeping on the cord, <laughs> and so every time she twitches, it, like, jerks the cord. <laughs> I'm, gonna I'm not mad about it. Sure, and show you, because her face is on my notes, and so I'm, like, doing a lot of this from memory. <laughs> um, so anyway now that's what that is right yeah in so case people are like knows. what the fuck she's uh she's twitching away and it's kind of tugging on the tugging on the cord everything's fine. fine she's our mascot so it's fine yeah she is mm-hmm. um okay so right they're they're on the run yada yada mm-hmm. um unfortunately they could not keep going they couldn't hold out and they were forced into a reservation in oklahoma that shocking they hated. Yeah. Obviously. Crazy. Because they literally found the worst land to give to people. Yeah. Um, so along with three hundred other Cheyenne, she snuck out and they all fled to Nebraska. Um which unfortunately they were constantly on the run because there's no Pete, you know? You yeah. have to be. Yeah. Um so her husband, Black Coyote, some accounts say that he got into an argument. Some accounts say that he like slipped into this like feverish madness. Um, but he got in a fight with another warrior and killed him. His name was Black Crane. And so because he killed him, Black Coyote got banished. And she went with him, took their kids, and some of their other family members went with. But because there were so few of them, they quickly got captured. Um, which when they got captured... Black Coyote killed a U.S. soldier trying to defend them, and he was then tried, sentenced, and executed for this. Oof. Yeah. Um, so now, alone, she 
got sick with either malaria or diphtheria? Question mark. Oh. Um, and she died in Miles City in May of 1879, and she was 35 years old. Oh my God. 35. Wow. Yeah. She unfortunately did not get to see, but five years later, the Lame Deer Reservation was established in their ancestral homeland of Montana. It is still there to this day. Um, the article ended with this, like, she would have been so grateful to know that they were back in their homeland and retained their culture and traditions. And I was like, I think she would be thankful for that, but grateful. I don't. Maybe not the right word. Maybe not the right word. Yeah. Because I don't think there's a silver lining to colonization. Mm -hmm. And then part of it was like, you know, a lot of researchers have shown and historians have shown that this kind of, they didn't use the word colonizing, but this kind of situation is inevitable when you have two cultures that clash together. And I was like, I refuse to believe that. Yeah. I really refuse to believe that when two cultures clash together, genocide is inevitable. Yeah. That, that's, that's bleak. That's really not true. Yeah. Um, so that kind of, cause it was a phenomenal article where I got most of my information and then it ended with like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that is the story of Buffalo Calf Road, AKA Brave Woman. Wow. Uh, warrior. Um, Good work. So the cool thing. Thanks, man. It was so much fun to research all of this. Um, oh, good morning. <laughs> Hello. Um, so the Cheyenne didn't have written stories at the time. It was only oral histories. Um, and so most of the information on her was told by Kate Bighead and a woman named Iron Teeth. And most men didn't mention her at all, except for one warrior who fought with her named Wooden Leg, which that's got to be a bummer of a story right there. Yeah. Um, but a woman named Mari Sandoz, I think is how you pronounce her name. Uh, she wrote about their flight north from Oklahoma when they escaped based on interviews with women who were there, mainly a woman that they called old Cheyenne woman. But yeah, there's a, there's a website called amazing women in history with an article about her by Rosemary Aganito, who also wrote a book about her called Buffalo calf road woman, the story of a warrior of the little bighorn that was researched by her husband. So they're like a little researching writing team. That was sweet. I know. Um, But the article where I got like, all of the information. I mean, it went in depth. It was on a website called League of Extraordinary Ladies, and oh, I could not cool. find an author. I know. I'm definitely going back to both of those websites. Mm-hmm. And that's my shit, man. Damn. Good work. Yeah. Thanks. It was really fun. Yeah. Nice. Well, sit all back. Right. I will. Relax. Grab my wine. It's your turn. Okay. Um. Okay. Cool. So, Reagan. Yes, Taylor. Have you ever heard of Zitkala Shah? Ooh, I have not. Yes. Good. Okay, so a disclaimer right before I get started is that there is so much information on this person. So Nice. Um, 
I'm going to do kind of a 30,000 look at it. 30,000 foot look. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Whew. Getting there. 30,000 looks. 30,000 looks. Okay. Ready. Go. Okay. Great. Okay. So, um, Zikala Shah was born February 22nd, 1876 on the Pine Reservation in South Dakota. Um, her mother was a Sioux Native American and her father was of European descent. And that is about all of the information that I could find on her dad. <laughs> so, um, she, it sounds like her father left the family pretty early on. So her mother had all three of the kids, um, and she made sure to bring them up in traditional ways. So, um, they were super involved in their culture, which is great. She was, so this is something that there are like a couple of facts about her that are in every article, but a little bit different in every article. So sure. A little bit unsure about some of it. So um, she was originally named Gertrude Simmons, but then changed her name when she was a teenager to Zikala Shah, which is kind of an interesting thing because apparently Zikala Shah is a Lakota name and she was Sue. Hmm. And I mean, it's a dope name. Totally. And like a lot of people think that it's because she didn't really feel like she fit in. So we'll talk about that later. Um, So originally named Gertrude Simmons changes her name to Zikala Shah and that's what she went by. So that's what I'm calling her. Um, when she was eight, she was sent to White's Manual Labor Institute, which like, Ugh. that sounds like a great time. Um, it was a Quaker missionary school. One article said that she was taken by Quakers. And then a lot of the articles were like, yeah, she just went. So I'm not really sure. Um, but she was there. Once she came back to the reservation, she described it. She described herself as, quote, neither a wild Indian nor a tame one. Um, the article that I read said that she felt culturally unhinged because she suddenly, like, was back in her traditional culture yeah. after having been, like, no, you have to cut your hair and you have to pray Quaker prayers and, like, doing this kind of white assimilation. So she, like, didn't really feel like she fit in anywhere. And that that started when she was eight, right? Yeah. Yeah. So she was there for like, she was there for like four years or so and then came back to the reservation and then ultimately went back to the Institute to like finish. So she was like super, um, I guess confused the whole time. Like she was super distraught over the like white assimilation of it, but also like, really loved learning how to read and write. And she learned and excelled at playing both the piano and the violin. So like, it sounds like she got some stuff out of it, but ultimately it just made her very confused and like, she didn't fit in anywhere. Cause like she would come back to the reservation and then suddenly be like, okay, well now I don't really fit in because I have short hair and like all of this shit. Right. So like, it's shitty. Be hard. Ugh. Yeah. So she um, ultimately graduates from the Institute in 1895, which um, apparently when she graduated, she gave this like great speech on women's inequality and like how people needed to fix that shit, which like, yeah, girl, get it. So um, at 19, she enrolls at Earlham College in Richmond, Indiana, 
and her mom like really super didn't want her to go. And I, I think that it's, nobody said it explicitly, but everybody kind of alluded to the idea that it was because it was just more white education, yeah, which is understandable. Um, so while she was at Earlham, she begins collecting Native American stories and like kind of just uh, listening to all of these oral stories that had never been written down. So she starts writing them and she translated them into both English and Latin, which like, what the fuck? Whoa. That's, so cool. <laughs> That's so cool. So um, she ends up not graduating from Earlham College, though, like six weeks shy of graduation because she had financial and health issues. Aww. So 1899, she gets a job teaching music at Carlisle Indian School which was kind of like the boarding school at the time, I guess, like all of the different boarding schools around the country for native Americans were kind of modeling themselves after Carlisle Indian school. Okay. Um, yeah. Which like, okay. So um, the school ends up sending her back to the reservation. And while she's there, she just sees like, the pretty horrible state that the reservation has fallen into because it's a it's bad land that they were living on and like yeah. had been relegated to. So um, she sees like extensive poverty. There's disrepair all over the place and there's fucking white people that have settled on like promised native land. Like you guys already go kicked, away. Like, you've already sequestered them to such a small portion of the land that is theirs and then you're gonna fucking come in oh gross just go home so gross so um so after she comes back to the school she brings back all of these stories of native american life and she realizes that part of the way that all of these boarding schools were being justified was that all of the quote-unquote news about Native Americans was, like, racist as fuck. Like, it was all just, like, horrible stereotypes, and it allowed white people to be like, oh, well, we're helping, when in fact, like, that's not what was happening at all. So she brings back all of these stories to show Native people in a positive light, which was, like revolutionary which is so gross oh, boy. so um she starts writing articles she wrote articles for the atlantic monthly and harper's monthly which is pretty cool yeah. um in 1901 she writes an article that details how a student felt like they lost their identity once they were at carlisle indian school mm. and because of that article it got published in harper's monthly and because of that article she was fired from the school oh yeah yeah, for being like, hey, Native Americans feel like they're losing their culture at the school that you guys are making them go to. She's fired. Like, get her out of here. God, gross. So um, she goes on to study music. She moves to Boston and goes to the Boston Conservatory of Music because she was a great violinist, which is so fucking cool. Yeah, it is. I'm just I'm like obsessed with people who can play the violin because I feel like that's something that you can't you can't like pick that up. Yeah. You know, like at 27, is that how old I am? I don't know how old I am. 27, I guess, probably. Probably. That sounds right. I'll buy it. 
Jeez, I need to drink 11 pots of coffee. Um, Don't do that. They, like, I feel like I couldn't just pick up the violin, you know? No, I know. I feel like you have to start young and you have to have, like, a natural talent for it. Yeah, that's one thing that I super wish. Like, I never have played any instrument and I really wish that I had. Anyway. I played some, but I was always a terrible, terrible student. Wait, what did you play? Hang on, can I guess? Yes, I played three instruments. You played three instruments. Was one of them the trumpet? <laughs> no. <laughs> Damn it. You really seem like a trumpeter to me. Really? Yeah, 100%. Absolutely Are you kidding me? not. I'm way jazzier okay. than that. Okay, was one of them, was it the saxophone? There you go. I gave you a hint with jazzy. Okay, little Kenny G action. Oh, yeah. Um, Was one of them the flute? Were you a flautist? No, I was never a flautist. Um, Was one of them... The clarinet. It was. And then wait, okay, the third one was clarinet was my was my no clarinet was my gateway instrument to saxophone. Okay. I had was to do that one first, and then the, the saxophone. Drums. No. A guitar. No. How a many guesses piano. do you get? <laughs> there you go. Ding, Is ding, it ding. piano? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But the thing was, I was a terrible student, especially with the piano, because I would always find a way for my teacher to play whatever song my homework was, I would convince her to play it for me before I left the lesson. And so rather than like actually learn to read music, you just followed her fingers. I just, no, I just remembered how it sounded Mm. and figured it out and then pretended to read music when I got back, but I was just playing. I've never been able to read music. Yeah. I I still like, I'm like, okay, G (laughs) A B C. Yeah. I mean, it's bad. Anyway, I'm sorry. I hijacked your story. Carry on. You're so good. Okay. So, um, doop, doop, doop. She was a violinist. Okay. Right. I was like, where was I? Um, okay. So Mm -hmm. the more time that goes on, the more that she gets kind of estranged from her mom. It sounds like, like, I didn't really read anything concrete the whole time, but like every article kept bringing up that like she was growing more and more distant from her mom as, time went on so I think it was just really that she like felt super in between worlds kind of all of her writings and all of her music and everything is very much like identity based and I think it's just because she had like such an early kind of like confusing identity crisis so she was like really super in the middle of it and I think that that just was a very confusing thing which is very understandable yeah, absolutely. Um, so she's um, so the more that she's kind of like out and experiencing things, she's seeing how Native Americans were being treated by like everyone, by like the government, the church, just day to day racism. So she, yeah. like all artists, decides to let that kind of fuel her. So she starts writing down the oral stories of the Sioux tribe that had never been written down before. And she ultimately published her book, Old Indian Legends, in 1901. And people fucking loved it. Like there's a letter that Helen Keller wrote to her in 1919 talking about how great it was to hear these stories finally and how they were going to inspire generations of younger people to like keep dreaming and like keep picturing things in kind of like folklore ways. Like Helen Keller fucking loved her book, which is so cool. 
Um, so in 1902, she's working um, at she's working at the Standing Rock Reservation, um, and that's where she meets Captain Raymond Bonin. He was also a member of the Sioux Tribe, um, and they got married in 1902. She they were together assigned to work at the the Yunta Ure Reservation in Utah, um, and that's Whoa. kind of where they settled. They had a son. They stayed for 14 years. So in 1910, she meets William F. Hansen, who's a professor at BYU. And the two of them collaborated on the opera, the Sundance Opera. And it was the first opera ever written by a Native American person. That's so cool. Pretty cool. And the whole opera was uh, detailing how Zikala Shah had to kind of bridge the Native American heritage and also her upbringing in white education and kind of figure out who she was with both of those backgrounds, which is... And her dad's European. So that's... Yeah. An ex, you know... <laughs> right, right. Yeah, like, she, from, like, such a young age, had to, like, figure out her identity, which sounds stressful to me. Yeah. So, in 1914, she becomes a member of the Society for the American Indian. She was elected secretary in 1916, and because of this, the whole family moves to D.C., um, the society disbanded in, in 1920. I couldn't really find a lot on why, but it didn't stop her from kind of keeping it going. So she founded in conjunction with the General Federations of Women's Clubs. She founded the Indian Welfare Committee in 1921. While in D.C., she promoted a, quote, pan-Indian movement which was basically the idea that she wanted to get all of the tribes from all across America to come together to fight for her citizenship because Native Americans did not get citizenship. Wait, wait. What, what? the fuck, right? I know. <sighs> I know. I didn't I didn't know that and I was shocked. Like, what are you kidding me? That is the most Backwards, so fucked up. Stupid. The amount of stuff that I don't know about the history of my own country is really upsetting. I know. It's really, it's crazy. It's really crazy. It's really, really crazy. Anyway, carry on. So, she was successful. That's Um, good. That, um, her movement kind of was what eventually led to the 1924 Indian Citizenship Act. So she kind of was like the spearhead on that, which is really awesome. Um, In 1924, she co-authored an article titled Oklahoma's Poor Rich Indians, an Orgy of Graft and Exploitation of the Five Civilized Tribes. Legalized Robbery is the title of her whole article. Um, And that ended up being a key piece that made the government look at how exactly Native Americans had been exploited and like kind of just cut out of all of these oil rich lands. And it ultimately helped lead to the passage of the Indian reorganization act in 1934. So she's like doing good work all over the place, which is cool. Um, And like, these are just like, seriously, dude, I could, we could do an entire episode just talking about all of the different pieces of like um, public service and civil rights articles that she wrote talking about how fucked up all of this was and like she Mm -hmm. they there's a lot talking about when she was a teacher at the carlisle indian school where she was like 
really conflicted because she was suddenly part of this like educational assimilation that she was so vocally against, but then also yeah. was like, yeah, but this is how I could help too. Like it was such right. a, so yeah, it sounds like a lot of her life was born out of this like conflicted. Oof. Yeah. Brutal. Um, so, in 1926, she and her husband Raymond founded the National Council of American Indians, which, in part, fought for the voting rights of Native Americans. She ultimately dedicated the rest of her life serving on this council. She was, like, its president and its treasury. She um, did, like, basically everything for it, which is pretty wow. awesome. Um, she died in 1938 working on the council and is buried in Arlington Cemetery. She, um, her autobiographical work is... Maybe the first time that um, a Native American woman wrote her own story without, like, an editor or a translator or anything. Mm. Um, so we kind of hear her life from her own... From her point of view. ...words. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's that's Zitkala Shaw. Wow. Which is Lakota for Red Bird, by the way. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, and there's this really adorable. So one of the um, one of the sites that I got a lot of my information from was uh, Utah Women's History again, um, and it's the same kind of drawing that uh, Annie Dodge had that we posted, and it's just this like really adorable drawing of her that just says "Look up and see a new day dawning," and it's like her with like her violin and oh. like a red bird is flying behind her, like just beautiful. So we should definitely Look, post that because it's the best. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, so let me source my shit real quick. Please do. Um, so I got a really, like, a weird amount of information from the National Park Service has a article oh, cool. on her, which is pretty cool. Um, NativeAmericanWriters.com, Encyclopedia Britannica Online, UtahWomensHistory.org is such a good – it's such a good um, – resource for Native American history, especially because like Utah is kind of smack in the middle of so many different tribes. So like, yeah, it is. It's very cool. Um, and then, and then she was also in that same hello giggles article. <laughs> you have to giggle afterwards. So, you just kind of have to like, it's in the name. Um, yeah, so that is the pretty cool story of activist Zikala Shah. Activist really cool. slash author, author slash musician slash all-around cool lady. She knew Latin slash. Yeah, yeah, what the fuck? Like, she knew Latin. So Man, cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Me too. My heart yeah. is full. It's so good. Who's your lady of the week? Or your babe of the week, or your cool thing of the week. Oh man, um, I, who, uh, my babe of the week, who's probably my babe of my life and the month. I don't know. Um, 
is definitely Chanel Miller. Did you see her speech this past week? No, I don't know who that is. Please enlighten me. So Chanel Miller recently came forward um, publicly with her name. She was the woman that Brock Turner raped. Oh, shit. No, okay. I did see her. I did see that she had, like, released her name, but I yeah. I think I had, like, tagged the article on my phone to read later and haven't yet. Oh, my dude. Oh, my dude. You need to read it. I wow. might start crying when I, well, okay, here we go. <laughs> I'm not going to cry. Everything's fine. Um, she gave a speech at Glamour's Women of the Year Awards. Yeah. And it was a poem she had written called I Don't Give a Damn. And it starts off with like, I don't give a damn how much you drink. I don't give a damn what you were wearing. I don't give a damn if you texted him first. Mm. All of like, just all of these things. Oh, okay. I'm fine. All of the things that people use to shame women about Mm -hmm. rape rather than like the dude to rape. And then she goes on to say, but I do give a damn about you. I do give a damn about how you're doing. I give a damn about how you're feeling. It's so beautiful. And then she keeps going. I'm going to butcher it, so I'm not going to try and do any more lines from it. But she goes on to talk about the people that gave a damn about her Mm. when she was at the lowest point of her life and how they made her feel loved and accepted and hot and, you know, like everything that a woman should feel. Mm-hmm. Um, it is really, really powerful. Um, it's really, really moving. And I think she started, I don't know if to call it like a program or a movement or something. I don't know. But initially why she kept her name out of it was because she didn't want people to associate rape victims with a certain skin color or demographic or age group or body weight or style, you know, like Mm -hmm. she wanted it to be like, this could be anyone. This could be your sisters or friends or mothers and daughters because it is. Um, Yeah. And so now she's doing something. I don't know what to call it, but something called know my name. Um, I just don't know. I don't even know what to say. It's really wonderful. Yeah. We should definitely post links to that speech. Yeah. It's really, really good. And it's really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. She's great. I might just repeat this again next week and for the rest of my life. Who knows? I I don't know. Yeah. Good one. Who is your babe of the week? I'm going to pull myself together over here. (laughs) Um, So I think that my babe of the week is Tina Fey. (laughs) Because I, because when I was, I, I mean, I've been home a lot this week because I've just been dying from my migraine and um, I started rewatching 30 rock (laughs) 
And it's just, I just love it. And I haven't watched it in like years probably. And yeah, it just makes me laugh so much. And she's just such a funny lady that like has. She is a funny lady. And she just has so many. Like there are just so many things in there about like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just like the exact, I relate so much to fucking Liz Lemon on 30 Rock of just like being <laughs> awkward and like not super sure about how to like be a person. And it's just, I love, I just love her and think that she's a great person. And it just made me it's like so happy. I was like, oh yeah, this is why Tina Fey was like my idol in high school. That makes Which, sense. Which like, I feel like explains a lot about me as a person. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I think the person I really, I haven't watched much, I will be honest, of 30 Rock. But what I have watched, I think the person that I relate to the most is Kenneth. Yeah, I knew you were going to say Kenneth. And I love because, that. Because, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's, everything's fine. I can make mm-hmm. everything great. Everything's going to be perfect <laughs> and we're all going to get along. And I can do this. <laughs> yeah, nope. I just love it. And I love her. And it was like really a toss up between her and Amy Poehler. Because I've been watching a lot of Parks and Rec, oh, too. And like. I love Amy Poehler. And like oh. Amy Smart Girls is such a good organization. And like, I just, yeah, I just love both of them. Yeah, they're great. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think Ooh. she's my lady. Good. Um, this was a great time. Oh, also, you guys follow us places. Oh, do. Oh, oh, I had an idea. Oh, tell me. Um, so you know how we have our Gmail? Um, yeah. BabetownPod at Gmail. I was thinking it would be cool because, you know, like people have their babes of the week or ladies that they would like us to cover. But you know what I bet people have? Are like dope ass ladies in their family that like the stories are only told in their family. So we would never because, yeah. you know, like we only have access to what the Internet can tell us. But I bet there's so many incredible women that's like my grandma did blah, 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 spit on a Nazi or, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. I would love that. So if you have a. Everybody has dope-ass women in their family, mm-hmm. guaranteed, because women are dope. But I would love, 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 love to hear their stories. That's a great idea. I think it'd be really fun. So, yeah, email us your your badass family members. And then also make sure and follow us on Facebook and uh, Twitter and Instagram. All of them are at BabetownPod, so it's easy. I'll show you guys the picture of my dog laying on my microphone oh my god yeah how would you not want to see that go ahead go over there see that go go look at it follow and subscribe do all of it um we are wherever you find your podcasts except for stitcher because i forgot to do that so (laughs) yeah i'll put it on stitcher we've been like being like we're on stitcher no we sure thought we were we sure thought we were if you went to go look for us on stitcher we are not there but we will we will be um and yeah, this was great. And you're great. great. You're great. I love this. Yeah. I love you. Girl, always. I love uh, it. 
what a good end slash beginning of my week, you know? Yeah, right? Yeah. I feel that. Okay, I'm going to go get ready for a spooky movie. All right. Hopefully I get very spooked. I'm going to take my pup out and let her run around some more. Do it. Have a great time. Fills my heart. Okay. You have a great time, too. Thanks. I'll I'll talk talk to to you soon. soon. I love you. Love you. Bye.